Welcome to the podcast. Today is July 4th. Happy July 4th. And today we're going to talk about the Facebook advertiser boycott and whether it makes any difference at all. So if you don't know, a list of about 400 big businesses have decided to boycott Facebook and basically pause their Facebook ad campaigns. And so this is in protest to Facebook's so-called enabling of hate speech. So what's going on here, really? These guys are demanding that Facebook establish some kind of a permanent civil rights infrastructure, including a C-level executive with civil rights expertise, and they want him or her to evaluate the products and policies for discrimination, bias, and hate. They're also demanding that Facebook remove public and private groups that are focused on white supremacy and militia and anti-Semitism and violent conspiracies and Holocaust denialism and vaccine information and climate denialism. Wow, that's quite a mouthful. And that's only a couple of their demands, by the way. There's about 10 of them. Now, if these were to be implemented, which they won't be, I don't think, this would basically turn Facebook into one big censored safe space version of CNN. I mean, it would basically destroy what little real discourse still exists on Facebook. But here's the really laughable thing about this virtue signaling effort. And here's why I really think it is one big virtue signaling effort. You know, how come none of these companies had any problems with, say, Facebook's mass data collection or their disregard for user privacy that's been going on for years? So apparently what crossed the line is that Facebook allowed people to say mean things on their platform, namely to speak freely. Now forget about all this systematic collection of intimate user details that's been going on for a decade and a half. Forget about all this data that's been slipped into external developers' hands. You see, what matters apparently is that people can still say nasty things about each other. And apparently we need to protect users from words. So apparently we can't handle you know, untruths and insults and idiotic ideas. So this crusade here that all these brands are embarking on, what does it really mean? Well, it means they've decided that they won't be advertising on Facebook in July. Wow, what a sacrifice. I mean, for a whole month, they won't be advertising on Facebook. It's such self-flagellation, such self-immolation for the cause. Not advertising in July. I mean, come on. If you have a problem with Facebook not intervening in people's speech, then why, why not put your money where your mouth is and get off the platform forever? Delete your accounts. And also, it's not like these companies have a stellar track record of upholding their grand moral principles to begin with here. So let's look at these boycotters. Who are they? So the list includes brands like Coke, Starbucks, Procter & Gamble, and a whole slew of others. And I dare say that many of these companies, they're not going to see any real impact on their bottom line for pulling these ads. I mean, fast-moving consumer goods brands such as these ones, they often don't generate very meaningful returns from Facebook to begin with. But Facebook and Google, they garner the lion's share of the digital ad landscape for a reason. And that is they do generate good results for some advertisers if you're interested in scale. And as much as you might hate them, that is the case. They can generate very, very strong returns for a lot of brands. Not so much the FMCG brands, though. Now, I mentioned Procter & Gamble. 
and they are Facebook's seventh largest advertiser and spends around, say, $90 million per year on Facebook. Now, Procter & Gamble, they say they've launched this comprehensive review um, of all their advertising partners. And they mentioned that they have this list of thousands of sites that they don't want to advertise on because they don't meet the company's standards. Yeah, they're rigorous standards. Here's a fun fact for you. Procter & Gamble have been fined 200 million euros by the European Commission for establishing a price-fixing cartel for their washing powders together with Unilever. And also, let's not forget that Procter & Gamble were caught buying palm oil from sources that included child labor and forced labor in 2016. So yes, those strict moral standards that they abide by. So of course, we know now that Procter & Gamble is a good company because they turn off their Facebook ads for a whole month. Anyway, what I think they're going to do now is they're going to try and determine how much their brand metrics improved or deteriorated as a consequence of, of all this political posturing and really checking what turning off the Facebook campaigns did to their various brands. Now, call me cynical, but I've been doing this for quite a long time and I've actually worked with some of these big brand houses. And they are, of course, not turning off their ads because of any underlying moral principles. I mean, it's an ample opportunity to virtual signal and to pander to their audience and to kind of state their relevance and anchor themselves to the zeitgeist. That's what's going on here. And I think what they're going to do from here is they're going to try to measure the impact on all their brands. So measure things like, you know, how did the brand recognition develop? What's the brand preference versus their competitors now versus before? What are their stock levels? What are their product margins and so forth? And this takes some time to tease out but they are actually very good at it and they're never going to miss an opportunity. So in fact, you could say that this is a very valuable and opportune on-off test or a pre-post test on their brands. Now, Mark Zuckerberg, he said, he said quite confidently that all these brands still be back. And I think he's largely right on this one. Now, as I mentioned, most of them are turning off their ads for July which is a bit of a joke, because if you were really serious and had a real problem with Facebook's policies, you'd be boycotting Facebook until Facebook changes, period. I mean, you don't make a very compelling threat by putting an end date on your reprisals. I mean, it's like telling your kid, if you don't eat your vegetables, you won't get any dessert until seven o'clock. Or if you don't do your homework, we're postponing the Disneyland trip until next weekend. It doesn't work like that. But now the reason Zuck can afford to take a gamble on the advertisers coming back, I think it's the following. So if you look at Facebook's business, they generated about $70 billion in revenue last year. And this is actually mostly from small to medium-sized businesses. So they can live without the big brands, worst case. And actually Facebook have, you know, just like Google, they've done a very good job at onboarding the long tail of advertisers. And, you know, in fact, come to think of it, I had a former Google colleague once tell me that selling Google ads is like selling crack cocaine. You give people their first taste and then you have a customer for life. And it's a similar picture with Facebook. And the Facebook ads platform, it definitely works if you know your way around the system. And it is a huge system, by the way. I mean, you might think it's pretty basic, but the entire larger offering contains everything from, you know, analytics features to testing capabilities. You can even facilitate project management through Facebook <clears throat> and you can run very, very large marketing initiatives very, very conveniently. I'm starting to sound like a Facebook ad rep here, but you'd really have to give them that. 
But you know, back to these boycotting advertisers, when these advertisers do this kind of political posturing, I think it often often shows the convictions at the very top of the company. So as it should, you might say, but it also showcases something else altogether. And that is that, you know, most recently with all these brands jumping on the latest woke trends, it showcases kind of how these big corporates are quite disconnected from the general population. So for example, when I when I buy a razor, I want a good razor. I don't need to know about the brand's take on toxic masculinity. And regardless of my stance on it, it's just not a consideration that I need to be occupied with when buying the best razor. But when I'm, you know, force-fed all this kind of moral preaching, I'm just going to get another brand. So there is this risk of alienating a big chunk of your audience by including all this political bandwagoning. Now, so what about that impact on the brand metrics from this boycott? You know, there's this expression called get woke, go broke. And I think that is pretty much true if you don't know your audience. Now, some brands have recently taken a gamble on this, you know, such as Nike and the Kaepernick campaign. And, you know, this did generate a lot of hate and controversy, but it has been a win for Nike. It looks like their brand metrics are up. It look well, the share price is definitely up and so forth. So if your core audience is that way inclined, then all this pol- political grandstanding can work in your favor, at least in the short term. But I definitely wouldn't gamble on it though. And that's because it's hard to gauge just how these campaigns unfold. It's impossible to know at what point people just get fed up with all this politicization. And when you constantly push consumer into accepting or rejecting labels, it can backfire, regardless of what the message is. So for these Facebook boycotters jumping on this ad-pausing bandwagon, it's obviously not as big of a stand as airing some outright woke ad, but it's going to have some impact. And actually, I think it's a lose-lose proposition because it doesn't really accomplish much. It doesn't stop hate speech, but you're gambling with people's patience and your own brand equity. And by the way, Facebook doesn't have any incentive to tolerate or spread hate speech, but they know that they can't realistically thwart people's conversations. And they definitely want to be regulated as a platform, not a publisher. And that's what they would be jeopardizing here if they started editorializing things. But you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's a nasty world out there and haters gonna hate, as they say. And that's gonna continue on all the online platforms. Now, you can grow a thick skin and deal with that real world or you can cry to Big Brother to try and create a safe space for you. Now, I know what I'd pick. So what do you think? Do you think this boycott changes how you feel about the brands involved? Do you think Facebook should be doing anything to crack down on this supposed hate speech epidemic? Let me know what you think. You can email me on podcast at nyman.media. That's podcast at nyman.media. And feel free to propose topics that you want me to cover as well. I'd be happy to hear from you. And as always, thanks for listening.